0: You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hello, hello, hello. Praise the Lord. I am Rosalyn, as you met just a few minutes ago. I'm the pastor of Mission and Adult Education here at Mosaic, our lead pastor. (laughs) Y'all. I hired them. My fan club is here now, (laughs) y'all. Our lead pastor, Pastor Morian, is out on vacation, and I get to be with you today, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share with you. Congratulations to our high school graduates, our college graduates, and my favorite graduates, the Leadership 215 graduates. you have all accomplished such great things this year through God knows what, but I'm grateful for you, and I'm thankful that you are able to, to make that proclamation in your life. Let's pray, y'all. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus that anything that we've brought in, God, that's gonna hinder us from hearing your word today, hinder us from receiving the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we ask that you lift that right now in the name of Jesus, God, whether it's a healing that we need, God, a burden that we just need to give to you, Lord, we we give you that right now, Lord, and we ask that you prepare our hearts, God, to receive your word in Jesus' name. Y'all, I'm gonna be really kinda crazy and bold right now. If you came in here with a headache, like over your right side, right, like the the lights are sensitive, the sound was sensitive, could you meet Pastor Corey back there and she'll pray for you? If it was like hard to get here today and you just need somebody to pray for you, just Pastor Corey is right there and she'll pray for you. We're going to start in Acts 10 at verse 1. You can read it on the screens in front of you. I'm going to be your reader for today. You can stay seated. It's kind of a long passage. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. About the sixth hour, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again. The second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon was known as Peter was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. He is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. We are in a series where we're looking at what it means to follow Jesus Christ through the lens of Simon Peter. Two weeks ago, if you were here on Pentecost Sunday, we we looked at Jesus promising that the Holy Spirit, whom Christians believe is the third person of the Trinity, the one true God, he would be sent. And when the Holy Spirit is sent, the church of Jesus, it begins to flourish. I mean, and then last week, we looked at what it means to follow Jesus into that church. This week, we'll continue to see the the church grow through the lens of Simon Peter. Now, I'll tell you a story. Around 2009, my, my husband had a back injury. And so his job sent him to a specialist in Vancouver, Canada, to have him work on this injury. And because I'm a good wife, I went with him. Not because Vancouver has beaches that face mountain range, it's because I am a good wife and I was concerned. <laughs> so the specialist that Bradley was seeing, his name was Alex McKechnie. He's one of the, the, the world's most sought-after physiotherapists. And he's treated athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, God bless him, um, Stacy McGrady, Steve Nash. He, he's treated the, the top athletes in our, in our nation, in our world. He, so he knows what he's doing. I'm dropping names just so you can keep your attention. <laughs> but, so Alex was doing a lot of work on, on Brad's core because he knew that if he builds his core, then his back would be, would be helped, to be strengthened. Sometimes McKeshney would look over at me and say, watch this he'd turn to Brad and say, I want you to do this particular exercise with your core. Hold your core or bend a certain way, and, I, and Brad would do it. And then Alex would say, I mean, that's good, but Steve Nash does it better. See, what he found out about my husband was he had a particular characteristic about him, a character trait. Called competitiveness. My husband was very competitive. He's competitive to a fault. In some cultures, some spaces, he will risk his life for the fact that he is competitive. Now, in our home, when we're with our kids, he's still competitive, but he doesn't necessarily risk his life. There are two different cultures, right? Two different spaces. I began to think that perhaps that's true about all of us that in certain spaces we have characteristic traits that are more pronounced or changed based on the culture that we're in. So my hypothesis is just that, that in certain spaces, certain cultures, our our character traits will change based on the culture dynamics. So I did some research, I wanted to find out if social scientists believe the same thing that I believed. And sure enough, they do. See, so this is going to be our work and definition of culture today. Culture refers to the shared values, beliefs, and norms of a specific group of people. Culture, therefore, influence the manner we learn, live, and behave. And because of this, many social scientists believe that culture is an important shaper of our personality. Well, if personality is the combination of characteristics or qualities that form our individual distinctive character, then culture, perhaps, is an important shaper of our character. Now, I believe that culture um, is an important shaper of our character, and our character is inherently good. We're created to love, we're created to care for each other, and we see this in our our own culture daily. We see this with how we come together in a winter storm, delivering medicine and food and taking people to places, risking our own lives in the ice to get other people's safety. We see this in how we give big when the, the offering doesn't even pertain to us directly. We see this in how we'll line the highways during a hurricane to take people water or to go fix houses that are not really even our own, We see that, that we're inherently good. I mean, we, we, we value honesty, we love hugs, we smile at hummingbirds, and we'll even our hearts will melt at the, the wave of a, a, an innocent child. We're inherently good. God's made us this way. But ever since the beginning of time, our culture has experienced changes, and sometimes these changes in our culture, they chip away at that inherently good character. Life experiences like experiencing loss, loss of a loved one, loss of a friend, civil unrest, civil disobedience, worldwide pandemics, illness, government policy that honors some and displace others, all these experiences, they create these massive changes in our culture. And if we allow it, it begins to adversely impact or change our very own character. It's inevitable. Culture will change. In fact, it actually needs to, sometimes, so that we can move society forward. So here's my question today. How do we follow Jesus Christ through culture change? I believe and I hope that we can follow Jesus Christ through culture change by not allowing culture to adversely change our character. Dr. Luke, the writer of Acts, he gives us some really great ideas, some insights of how this could look through the lives of Cornelius, Peter, and them. We're going to begin first by talking about Cornelius. In the book of Acts, we have a story of men and women who are experiencing this massive culture change. A man who claims to be the savior of the world who was born to a local couple, they name him Jesus. He lives a sinless life. As an adult, he goes around healing the sick and raising the dead. He he respects and honors government while vehemently standing against injustice and systems of, of oppression. He's nonviolent, but he's fearless. He, he loves sinners, but he hates sin. He exposes sin, but he condemns shame. They, they cannot un- understand him. They, they, cannot, they cannot comprehend who he is, and so they plot to kill him, only to find out Death can't even hold him because he is who he says he is. He's the savior of the world. And so he rises in three days, conquering death and the grave. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He ascends to heaven, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us who believe him and are marked for eternity. And so the Holy Spirit then makes a way for us to have continuous communication with him, this Jesus, forever. This is where we find our brothers and sisters in the book of Acts. Luke is recording now how their whole culture has changed since Jesus came. And even more, it's changed since he came and then ascended back to heaven and now the Holy Spirit is here. And so there's a whole new culture and that's the culture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has changed changed their lives. They pray different now. They have a heavenly language which is the, when the spirit gives them utterance. Peter is now laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. They, they, they have a boldness to preach to people who wanted to kill them. They're baptizing thousands of people into the church of Jesus Christ. The church is pros- prospering. The entire culture has changed. Now, as we read in Acts, there's a devout man in Caesarea. His name is Cornelius. Cornelius fears God. And he teaches his family to fear God. He's a centurion of the Italian regiment. That means he's over 100 other men. He's a leader. He's a giver. He gives big. He fasts. He prays. But there's a problem. And the problem's not that he's a Gentile. The problem is... The single woman, was like, what's the problem then? I mean, he sounds perfect to me. <laughs> I know, you're right. His character is flawless, but he doesn't believe Jesus is his savior. Since Jesus has came, the culture has changed, and there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's now a culture. Of the Holy Spirit. Now we learned two weeks ago that a culture of the Holy Spirit that's ultimately pointing to the truth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit brings power to speak the truth of Jesus Christ and it brings power to live out the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what a culture of the Holy Spirit does. Cornelius is doing a lot of religious stuff but in a, whole, in a Holy Spirit culture religious stuff won't save you. Just doing religious stuff doesn't point to Jesus. So this man is inherently good, but being inherently good does not equate to salvation. So Mr. Cornelius has a question that he has to answer. Will he follow Jesus Christ through this culture change? Will he submit his goodness to Jesus Y'all know, aside from Jesus, there is no good. And even as Christians, and I'm talking about myself, when we try to do God's work in our own strength, we will become exhausted and we won't be as productive as we can be if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Corey Ten Boom, a Dutch Christian and a Holocaust survivor, who along with her family helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II, she says this, She says, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus, it just flows out of you. You see, being good is actually a great characteristic, but not the solution to the question that Cornelius has to answer. See, goodness alone will actually adversely affect Cornelius and you and I. It it eventually, goodness will eventually separate us from Jesus if our goodness is not submitted to him. Here's the beautiful part. Cornelius is open to correction. And the testimony of one man could change where Cornelius spends eternity. The problem is, that man has a prejudice against Cornelius and the people that look like him. And that prejudice is prohibiting Cornelius and people like him from receiving the truth of Jesus Christ. Luke gives us some insight to how the Holy Spirit pushes Peter beyond the limits of culture to change the course of history. First, I want to tell you a story about a little girl. This little girl is in the same situation as Peter, actually. As a young girl, this little girl named Daisy around the age of 10, 12, she found out that she was adopted. Her stepfather, her, sorry, her adopted father told her the story about how her mother was lured away from the house by three men telling lies and they lured her away and they killed her, brutally murdered her. And then Daisy's father, who was afraid for his life, he also, he left town because he did not wanna, he feared for his life and he left leaving Daisy to be raised by friends of the family. Daisy became depressed and incredibly angry at the killers and even people that resembled the killers. She walked away from friendships and she began to see people that once she once trusted, she saw them in a different light. Because of her history and the pain of her loss, there was a sudden change in her culture. Her perspective, her view of culture completely changed, and in an effort to preserve Daisy's inherently good character, on his deathbed, Orly Smith, a World War I veteran, her adopted father, he said this, and I want you to brace yourself because these words are hard to hear. He says, you are filled with hatred. Hate can destroy you, Daisy. Don't hate white people just because they are white. If you hate, make it count for something. Hate the humiliations we are living under in the South. Hate the discrimination that eats away at the soul of every black man and woman. Hate the insults hurled at us by white people. And then try to do something about it, or your hate won't spell a thing. Now, although these are difficult words words to hear, it's more difficult to attempt to even understand what what you had to go through to compile that type of of word, the the pain experience from life to create this, this word. But Peter is in a similar situation to Daisy. The prejudice in Peter's heart is keeping him from associating with people who, know it or not, they need him. People like Cornelius. So the pain of Peter's history with Gentiles is keeping the Gentiles from experiencing true love. Peter's disobedience to witness to the Gentiles could void them of experiencing true forgiveness, could void them of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, could void them of experiencing eternal life with Jesus. Luke tells us in Acts 10 that while Peter was in a trance, the Holy Spirit lowered a sheet of animals that are culturally unclean in Jewish, to Jewish people, and a command was given by God to kill and eat. But Peter said, no, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. See, God is prompting Peter right here. He's prompting him to put aside his prejudice against Gentiles, and Peter tells God, no. Have you ever told God no before? I have. God gets his way see my no it actually it originated from inherently good characteristics but those characteristics they were manipulated further and further away from jesus to evolve into a no my independence loyalty courage see peter is loyal it's a great characteristic right but what and who is he loyal to There's been a culture shift, and now Peter is now living in a culture of the Holy Spirit. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, Peter is no longer bound by the Mosaic Law, which prohibited Jews from being in relationship with Gentiles. But... Will Peter's loyalty to Jewish laws and traditions override his loyalty to Jesus? Will, will those that loyalty override Jesus' special commandment to him, his very specific commandment to him to go out into all nations and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, loyalty becomes prejudice. And this is what... Peter's experience, he's experiencing. Loyalty he becomes prejudice. Prejudice can easily evolve into hate, and this change in the culture provides Peter an opportunity to escape, to escape the prejudice in his heart. Now again, Cornelius, Peter, Daisy, you and me, we all have to face the same question. How will we follow Jesus Christ through this culture change? See, pain is real. Daisy's pain was real. She had every right to feel that pain, but when Daisy took her father's advice and instead of staying loyal to her pain, she became loyal to a solution. She changed the course of history. Daisy began to aggressively pursue the desegregation of schools in America. In early September 1957, she organized an interracial group of ministers to escort nine black teenagers into an all-white school, Little Rock, Central High School. The Little Rock Nine were escorted by four ministers. There were two ministers in front and two ministers behind. They were all just walk. They weren't just walking. They were walking and they were praying. And although they walked through a, a, a mob of angry protesters, these children, they were surrounded and covered by the love of Jesus because Daisy said yes to Jesus. The, things did not change overnight. As you can see, that was a pretty rough day. But because of Jesus, the culture continued to shift and things got better. And on September 25th, 1957, the nine students, they experienced their first full day of classes there. If Daisy would have allowed the prejudice in her heart to keep her separated from people that hurt her, then secular culture would have won. Secular culture is inconsistent, y'all. We have to anchor our character in a culture that is consistent, and that is the culture of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our one true constant. Cornelius gets to realize this same truth along with Peter and them, <laughs> and what could be, considered, could be arguably Caesarea's first multicultural church plant. Peter arrives, and Cornelius is at Cornelius' house, and then he's asking Cornelius Why did you send for me? Cornelius responds this way. He says, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been answered and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I went I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. That is the power of the Holy Spirit, the culture of the Holy Spirit. It does not simply change your view of religion or Christianity in a moment. The Holy Spirit can change your perception of others in a way that changes culture, changes laws, changes traditions, and changes the course of history. Peter does not stop at countering centuries of wrong thinking with his declaration of that, that God shows no partially. No, Peter begins to reconcile wrong By telling Cornelius and them his testimony and offering the gift of eternal life with Jesus see what happens next this is why it's worth it to follow Jesus Christ through cultural change Peter assures them that they too can have full access to God it doesn't matter what nation they're from it doesn't even matter what they've done wrong as long as they fear God and recognize that he is Jesus of all he is the Lord of all then Peter begins to give his own testimony because sometimes it's your testimony that that that's all it takes right so He began to tell them, y'all, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing well, healing the sick, raising the dead. He healed people of oppression. He he cast devils out and God was with him. But then Peter begins to reminisce. He begins to reminisce on how they crucified his Savior. He said they crucified him. But on the third day he rose again from the dead. Me and the other disciples, we ate with him and we drank with him. But Peter, he's specific here. He says that was after he was raised from the dead we ate with him and we drank with him but don't just take my word for it Peter says you can ask the prophets the prophets that you've read about the prophets that you story they're the ones that testify about Jesus he says they wrote that everyone who believes in Jesus they receive the forgiveness and their sins are forgiven and they can receive the power of the Holy Spirit through his name here's the part that really gets to me I know I got a little excited in advance, but this really gets to me. (laughs) See, while Peter was still speaking these words, he was still giving his testimony, y'all. It says, while Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision. They believed, they were astonished as many as came to Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. You see, all those, all of them who heard the words, as well as you and I, we all have this characteristic trait, this trait, this inherent trait within us that if not submitted to Jesus, when the culture changes, things will go bad for us. That characteristic trait is desperation. They were desperate for God. They were desperate for something. We all are love, wealth, to be known, to be heard, community, something. We're desperate for something. And when our desperation is enticed by anything else but Jesus, it separates us from Him. I have two kids, y'all. I was driving into school the other day before school was out. My eight year old, my girl, she said, Mom, what is the Holy Spirit? So I gave her the digest version of week three of Foundations. I said, baby, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. She said, mama, I know that. (laughs) Okay, I'll speed up then. I said, well, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit comes and he changes your heart. And you can be baptized to acknowledge that change. I said, then the Holy Spirit, he not only comes but he stays, and he helps us live a life that reflects Jesus to the world around us. I said, the Holy Spirit, he's not an it, baby. You said, what is it? He's not an it, he's a person. He's a third person of the Trinity. The so Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are one. I said, but the Holy Spirit, he's, he's our comforter, he's our counselor, he's our encourager. He marks us for eternity with Jesus Christ, and that's just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I said, but baby, then there's an a infilling, there's a second experience with the Holy Spirit The second experience is called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And like Peter, I began to give my very own testimony. It worked for Peter, it maybe worked for me. So I said, I said, uh, I, looked, I said, I, be, I became desperate for God, baby. And I, I just began to speak out hallelujah because hallelujah is the highest praise, right? And so I began to de- declare to him that I wanted everything for him. Anything that he wanted for me, I want it. God, I want your gifts, God. I want your power. I want your spirit. I want your truth, God. I want to speak out your word, whether I'm in a sacred place or a secular place. I want to speak out the truth of who you are. I don't care what it looks like. I just want you. And as I began to sing out hallelujah, something came over me, I told her, and I can't fully explain what it was. It was a feeling of extreme joy. And maybe I I even began to speak out in words that I I didn't understand. I just became overwhelmed with the spirit because that's what happens when you, you're desperate for his presence. He meets us in our desperation. And I actually didn't get to finish my testimony before my baby girl said, mama, that's what I want. You see, that's what Peter experienced. He's telling his testimony and before he could even finish the words, you had a bunch of desperate people that said, that's what I want. They went from zero. They went from not being Christian to being filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You see, you hear me? They weren't even Christians. They didn't have to go home and get themselves together. They didn't have to go learn the books of the Bible. They didn't have to go figure out how to do the disciplines. They didn't have to figure out how to get a prayer language. They didn't have to get and memorize scriptures. They went from zero to everything because God met them in their desperation. When you're desperate for Jesus, y'all, the Holy Spirit, that desperation, he will meet us in our desperation. And then everything else will fall into place. I'm done, but I want to pray for some desperate people today. Maybe you're desperate for a move of God on your job or in your home, or you're just desperate for the Holy Spirit to come in and take over. Maybe you're desperate for a powerful move in your body. You need healing. Or maybe you're desperate for a healing for your family. Maybe you're desperate for a healing for your kids. Maybe you're desperate for a change in your mind. Maybe you're desperate for Him to fix a mental problem that you're having. If you're desperate for God, I want you just to begin out. Just call out hallelujah. Maybe raise your hand. If you're really desperate, you can stand on your feet and let Him know that you're desperate, God. And I'm telling you, a desperate God is He's desperate for you. Just as much as you're desperate for Him, He's more desperate for you, and he will meet you in your desperation. Begin to call out hallelujah and tell him how you're desperate for him. Lord, I ask that you meet your sons and your daughters right now in their desperation, God. You are more desperate for us. You're more desperate to be with us. You're more desperate to speak through us. God, I ask that you meet your Your sons and your daughters. Those that are desperate for your gifts. Those that are desperate to live out the truth of your word. Those that are desperate for a change in their marriage. Those that are desperate for a change in their body, God. I'm asking about the power of you, Holy Spirit that you would meet us in our desperation and I thank you that you are God that you did not stay in your kingship but you came to us you came to meet us in our desperation God I thank you that we can go from zero to everything because you sent your Holy Spirit to live inside us God and so we call on you now God and we say yes to you God all you need is one yes all you needed was Peter's yes all you needed was David's yes all you needed was Cornelius's yes and so we say yes to you God we thank you for meeting us in our desperation, Lord. Holy God, right now, your sons and your daughters, they say yes to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we meet, meet us, God. Y'all, while I was been praying for y'all over the weeks, I feel like God kept reminding me of some things that we needed to pray for specifically. And some of, we said them in the first service and some of those things were met. But if you're here, the first thing was, was a, a, a feeling of like chalk, like um, something keeping you from talking well, dry mouth. and It is really heavy because it doesn't allow you to tell your testimony maybe. It doesn't allow you to communicate with somebody. It, it's, it's just causing trouble in your own stuff. Not everybody knows about it, but it's hard for you. If you're, if you're here, we're going to have a team of people right over here to pray for you. And I want you to bring that burden over here and we're going to pray for you. This thing that is it's, it's serious because water won't fix it, mints won't fix it and it's keeping you from communicating if you're here we're going to pray for you okay the next person and this person actually came but if there's somebody else with this same situation we're going to call it out right now and it's going to be healed in Jesus name and that's that's a hearing problem. There's hearing there. You have a hearing problem in your right ear, which has been there. But then there's, you're getting that same signal in your left ear, and it's causing problems there. And you're, you're worried that you're going to hear, get hearing loss there. If you're here, we're going to pray for you. We are believing complete and total healing. The next person, you have a problem with your foot. The term plantar fasciitis comes to mind. There's a, he, a, a pain in your foot. If you're here, we want to pray for you. Somebody else said that that was them earlier. And so if you're not here, that's okay because they've been prayed for already. And then there's another person, maybe a pain in your hip. The person with the pain in your head, I hope you were prayed for. But listen, I realize that it's not just what I've called out. We're all dealing with something. Maybe not all, maybe somebody you know. If it's you dealing with something, I want you to put your hand on that thing or near it and we're going to believe God for a healing God. If he can move on people that have zero experience with the Holy Spirit, then I know he can move on us. So I'm going to believe God for your healing. I'm going to believe God for your deliverance. I'm going to believe God for your marriage. I'm believing God for the things to happen in our lives. So in the name of Jesus God, I'm asking your healing to come. You promised it God and so we believe you. We stand out on a limb with you God, but we rather be out on a limb with you than anywhere else on solid ground without you and so we come before you and we claim this healing in the name of jesus whether it be a backache god or a headache god or cancer or disease in the name of jesus we speak out healing in the name of jesus because of who you are god lord thank you for desperate people meet your people here in jesus name amen thanks for listening For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.